This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, boy. Fresh from the driveway. Shoveling out probably the most significant snowstorm of the season. Your boys Fitzy and Hart are back once again with another edition, dare I say, the latest and always greatest edition of Six Rings of Football Things. Brought to you by WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. Happy Combine Week, everybody. Happy men in undies. Happy ripped, just jacked, super strong men in tight clothing, jumping, running, throwing, catching, and just being physical specimens for your pleasure. We will discuss the NFL Combine, uh, what presence we expect the Patriots to have, the impact it has had in previous seasons, and what we think the Patriots will glean from it this particular year, 2023, in the back half of the pod today. We call that Pat's Paris, where we address all the news, notes, nuggets, and points of interest around Pat's Nation. Up top, we'll continue with our positional off-seasonal previews. We will address the third in the triangle of primo importance to Pat's fans, that being cornerback. Because one day, Andy, it's we need a number one wide receiver. Another day, it's we got to get a left tackle. And then the next day, it's we need a shutdown corner. I think we can all agree the Patriots need an elevation of talent at all three positions. But today, we will look at the cornerback position in our off-seasonal positional preview. Real quick, just give the people right off the top here, right off the old tippity-tip, what is Combine Week like? For those of us who uh, live, eat, breathe, sleep, Foxborough football, yet have never been to Indianapolis nor sampled the St. Elmo's shrimp cocktail. Well, there's a – it depends how you cover it, how you approach it, what you're looking to uh, obtain. If you're covering the actual event itself, the prospects, the – Uh, press conferences with the GMs, the coaches, and then the prospects themselves and the testing. That's a long, long day. If you're looking to... A lot of sound bites, a lot to transcribe, a lot of holding the microphone out, a lot of nodding. The bulk of it is useless. The bulk of it is garbage. Um, Filler, absolutely. And then if you're looking to build contacts and create, you know, break news stories, get little tidbits, whispers from the assistant to the assistant GM or the third assistant wide receivers coach from an AFC South team. Then you're out till, I don't know, five in the morning at the bar drinking and hanging out with everybody. And so the combine is a, it's a really interesting week where everybody is everywhere. Um, Players on the street wearing their DL one walking down, like going to get like white castle burgers in the middle of the night and just like these random uh, things. But then also, you know, you turn around 
And you look behind you at Elmo's and it's like, oh, there's Sean Payton. Oh, in front of me is whoever else, the GM of this team. It's uh, And I do miss the St. Elmo's dinners and shrimp cocktails and, and everything that goes into that on a company dime. Because um, I did. I, people make fun of me. I always enjoyed the combine. I, it's a it's a busy week, it, but I I like Indy a little bit. It's fun. You get out. It's all football. The downtown all the for it's the downtown yeah. area for fa- for fans who have never been there. I'm sure Patriots fans listening are like, I like making fun of the Colts because a finalist banner field, uh, and also I never want to say anything nice about that place because of Peyton Manning, the ones the Foxborough frauds that you like to call us, if you will. Yes, uh, who refuse to acknowledge any place outside of between 93, 128, and 495. There is more world out there. I hate to tell you, Kyrie Irving's Earth is not flat. You will not fall off of it if you make your way towards New York, Pennsylvania, or Nap Town, as they call it. In terms of just like zipping in for a weekend. Downtown Indianapolis is a professional sports fan's paradise. You have bars, breweries, burger places, uh, the stadium. You've got, like, everything is near each other. So, like, in 48 hours, you can just consume, be gluttonous, uh, get your fan on, root, cheer, rival. It's it's a great time. It's a great time for that. After that, hmm. There's a reason it's kind of a convention city or a Big Ten championship city and and all the athletic events they hold there. Um, It is built for that, and it's a lot of fun. But, you know, it's going to be an interesting week, just the NFL-wide, because you start to get buzz. You start to get the franchise taggings or non-taggings and different things. Oh, trade. Oh, the Bears are going to trade the first pick. Who's whispering? Who's talking? You know, Derek Carr, where he's going to land. He's meeting with ex-teams at the Combine. You know, we joke about it, Fitzy, but the – legal tampering period that doesn't begin for two weeks the illegal tampering period starts when all these people dr- land at the airport and start hey you want to share a cab over to uh the hotel and then all of a sudden it's on me hop in my hop in my uber uh right. so, you, so some say it's the franchise tag period opening up that is the beginning of the next business year some could say it's the combine because that's the pre-legal tampering period. Then there's legal tampering. Then there's free agency, of course. Uh, Trades could happen at any time. So we'll get to exactly what we think the Patriots are into this year's combine for, some combine tales and more in the back half. But we move on to a position of interest for the New England Patriots. They're all positions of interest. Come on. But this is one of the primo, as I said, positions of interest as we continue with the off-seasonal positional preview, the cornerback spot. Uh, This is, I think, the combine, Andy, is where... In addition to all the tape that the Matt Grows, the Bill Belichicks, and the many underlings, minions, and previous Andy Hearts of the organization crushed down to try to find the next diamond in the rough, the next uh, Jonathan Jones, the next J.C. Jackson, the next Malcolm Butler. The Patriots do a hell of a job of finding cornerbacks that they don't have to spend top dollar and top asset on that deliver top performance and then ultimately usually go somewhere else to get top dollar. Now, heading into the 2023 season, the New England Patriots are without a doubt, without a shred of doubt or inquiry whatsoever, the New England Patriots have nothing resembling a true elite shutdown number one top cornerback. Their previous top cornerback of the last season, Jonathan Jones, who was a slot corner who was pushed to the outside out of need, is a free agent looking to probably get anywhere between 12 to $15 million per year. Whether or not he comes back to the Pats, I don't know. Uh, Your other corners include Marcus Jones, who I think both of us believe would be much better served, used minimally in the defensive backfield, rather for offensive special packages. His special teams 
where he was an all pro this season, especially as a punt returner. You got Jack Jones, who had some beef with Coach Belichick, or rather talked back and then got beefed with by the coach and suspended. He looks like a he looks like a prize. He looks like a potential building block, but we could have attitude issues. Then you got Jalen Mills, who might have to shift over to free safety if Devin McCourty goes gently into that good night afterward. So it's a it, it's a position of need for like they're going to need to address this through free agency and the draft. Let me ask you first: Where do you think the Patriots attack the cornerback position most aggressively in free agency or the draft? Both. And that's the reality is the cupboard is bare, um, depending. I mean, I guess you could re-sign Jonathan Jones. I tend to think he may be gone as a top 20-ish free agent on the open market at the age of 30 who played outside. I think his value may go to a place where the Patriots ne don't necessarily want to go uh, at this point in time. And he, he does love the team and the organization, so there's always mm -hmm. that chance he's one of those I say this with much uh, endearment suckers who takes the offer they put on the table and signs it. Um, I would not advise him to do that at this point in his career. Um, but he's been there seven years. Like you say, he's a community leader. He was just nominated. Uh, it's not the Ron Burke. It's I forget the name of the award, but he was a finalist for an award that DeMar Hamlin ultimately won yep. at the NFL honors. Like this is a and none good of that pays your bills. It does not. And it's not like he's going to accept two for five. I mean, we're not talking about that drastic a hometown discount, but you wonder if the Patriots would want to see him on the outside again this season. If they say, no, we want to go get outside corners through the draft and agency, we want to shift you back inside. So we're going to now pay you like a top slot corner. Would Jonathan Jones accept that? Uh, no. Uh, well, again, I, I'll, I'd say I wouldn't. If I were him, I would not advise him to. If I were him, if I were his wife, his mother, his father, his agent, whatever, um, I would advise him to get paid at this point in time because you probably don't have a ton of years left at a uh, at a big pay check. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that just to put this into perspective. So now 17 games in the National Football League, you start at least two corners. Mm -hmm. So that's 34 starts you have to fill at cornerback at the very bare, least. Forget about bare minimum. And yes. we're not even talking about sometimes the nickel dime or extravagant secondary based packages teams put out there to deal with the fantasy footballification of the NFL. The Patriots right now on their roster have 16 combined starts from a year ago. 10 Perfect. starts for Jalen Mills, four for Marcus Jones, two for Jack Jones. So what you're saying is you really need some cornerback help, and that's why I say both. I think you need young. I think you need old. I think you need veterans with experience, maybe a wild card that you throw out there and hope he has something left. I think you need to throw some bodies high and low end at the cornerback spot because, you know, they just – I don't see where it's coming from. Uh, Sean Wade, for example, in theory, he should have been a guy that is coming into his own, is going to help. No, he's not. He can't get on the what field. What a bummer. What a bummer. Like, this kid, his junior season at Ohio State was a top-five cornerback prospect. And then by the time he gets to his senior season – flames out shifts from the slot to the outside loses it all uh gets injured loses all draft value and just completely falls apart and now like oh he's so great that baltimore takes him late in the draft they spin him to the pats for like what a fifth sixth or seventh his rookie season and since then he's been a bust and hasn't been able to stay on the field like it's a like what a it's not tragic but it's a it's disappointing yeah. Oh, from his perspective, I'm sure it's been probably um, 
borderline unbelievable. Like the track he was on. Mm-hmm. We often talk about the Mac track for a quarter of a billion dollar contract. The the Sean Wade track was maybe first round pick, lots of money, cornerbacks a high price position. Mm-hmm. And now he's relegated to what was the guy's name? Quandry Mosley and Tay Hayes were playing above him late in the year. Uh, like, Tay Hayes. Where were you for the Tay Hayes days right. in Foxborough? He's he is no longer with us. Uh excuse me, he is still of this earth, of course, but he's no he longer died? with the New England. No, he's not with the New England Patriots. He is uh he has been given his release. And um, we, we wish we wish him well with uh, with the likes of Devontae Bosby, XFL superstar. Damn right. And if I were Tay Hayes and Quandry Mosley, I would call the XFL or the USFL or anything that ended up in FL and see if I can get a job. Hey, you might be looking at future New England Patriots starter AJ McCarron any given Thursday, Saturday, or Sunday with his two and zero St. Louis Battlehawks at this point. Oh boy, Lord can only hope not. If anything, <laughs> All right, right now that's afternoons Jones and Mego. I'd rather have AJ McCarron than Mac Jones at this point. If we're right talking until, Bama quarterbacks, <laughs> right up until he puts on a jersey and then they'd rip AJ McCarron because it's you know. Everything is negative when you're on the afternoon show. Um, but to just get back to the cornerback position, yeah. Yeah. this is why, like, doing this, I love doing these sort of um, things because when you put it on paper and you really break it down, you come to realize certain things that maybe when you were superficially looking at it, you didn't know. Mm-hmm. They don't have any cornerbacks. They're, no. You're right. Best you're right. Andy, when we were getting this ready, I thought, like, oh, let's just get through cornerbacks because it's all about line and receiver. Nope. And this is the biggest no. need. If, it, if you're being honest, not. this is the biggest need because even at tackle, you can say you have Trent Brown, a Pro Bowl caliber tackle when he's on. He can play both tackles, whatever. If you go to wide receiver, you have Devontae Parker. You took a second round wide receiver last year. You have Kendrick Bourne. You have some guy. When you're at cornerback, especially us that we've sort of advocated, Marcus Jones, you don't really want to lean on him. Well, uh-uh. if you cross him out, you have a guy who finished the year suspended by his head coach, who's never really started much in the NFL, who's a cocky SOB that we hope has S upside, and Jalen Mills, who was never supposed to be a corner, never supposed to be a number one corner. And even Jonathan Jones, if you re-sign him, he struggled at times as an outside number one corner last year. I thought he got exposed as like, yeah, okay, the Peter principle. You you don't really belong out here with the big boys. You belong on the inside. They have no corners. So whether it's the PFF dream They gave Jamel Dean, the Tampa Bay Mm -hmm. corner, who's like a top 10 free agent in their minds, to the Patriots. Or whether it's targeting it in the draft at number 14. I won't say need you have to because I guess that boxes Bill into a corner. Certainly seems from the outside looking in, they need a high-end corner somewhere, somehow. Uh, Andy, I will tell you right now, as I jump to your particular favorite website, poof, Pro Football Focus, pff.com. They have their listing of the top free agent cornerbacks available. And Jamel Dean, who started last season opposite Carlton Davis in the secondary, the underrated secondary of the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. Actually, no, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There was no Gronk last season. Uh, He finished with a coverage grade, believe it or not, of 89.9. So no wonder why he's hitting free agency at the right time. PFF likes him. Yeah, of course. Well, for the people that get geeked out on these metrics, this is what ends up getting people paid. Then you end up with guys like James Bradbury, uh, who's now going to probably, who probably lost millions just because of one ticky tack penalty in the Super Bowl. Uh, the underrated Cam Sutton from Pittsburgh, John Jones from New England, Patrick Peterson, hard pass. I think he's older than you, Andy. Rocky Asin from the Raiders, Byron Murphy from the Cardinals, Marcus Peters. 
Steph Gilmore, you know, it's not a it's not a banner crop. So that would lead us to believe using the same kind of logic we've talked about in terms of availability at receiver and and mm-hmm. tight, yeah, as you're putting this whole mosaic as Bill calls mm-hmm. it together uh, do you, collage do you go do you go cornerback with the first pick because you're probably going to have one of the top corners on the board at 14 do you go that route and I know you are of the belief that yeah they do a great job developing mm-hmm. mid and late round and undrafted corners the top end the second round picks the higher picks at cornerback haven't exactly been their strong suit would you be uh a scared as glenn ordway used to like to say in the afternoons would you be scared of a number 14 overall pick at cornerback as a matter of fact andrew uh as we have gone back around in out and around the idea of how do you address tackle receiver cornerback? We've discussed it here. We've discussed it on the award-winning Fitzy and Hart program on WEI and beyond. Oh, but you haven't. Well, you'll see when you come to the trophy room. It's stacked. We have a trophy where, room. Where? Oh yeah, you didn't know. Oh, it's we're no? piling it up. Oh yeah, no, I've been yeah. waiting for Did the. We big take surprise. Roberts. He doesn't need his anymore. They're not collecting any more trophies. Stop it! I'm trying to bring people in. We're not trying to alienate them. Uh, We have gone around the idea of how do you get a top-tier tackle, top-tier receiver, and top-tier corner. And originally, I think we thought what you would do is draft a corner. I think now we're of the mind that the best way to go about this would be, A, you sign a corner, trade for a receiver, and draft a tackle, or B, I am now into this. My, my, My new reconfigured uh, ultimate dream plan for the Patriots from free agency into the draft is sign a top tier tackle, trade for a receiver, draft a corner. You need okay. you need you need a top cornerback that badly that I would rather. I do not believe what what PFF says that they're going to be able to sign both Orlando Brown and Jamel Dean. That just seems cray cray crazy. I think you can probably pull off signing a tackle. Then you have to trade for a good receiver, good to very good receiver. Oh, sweet. Another good to very good receiver to add to the depth chart. of. If I told you right now, by April 30th, you would have Orlando Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, and Joey Porter Jr. on your roster, you would say? I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by it. Absolutely. You've now thrown some assets and some investment at three top needs. Yes, absolutely. Now, I'll go back to the Hopkins part. That's if Hopkins wants to come here and play for Billy O, and if they can... Mm -hmm rehab that relationship if the the respect between him and bill belichick is enough to sort of wipe out the disrespect between him and bill o'brien i'm intrigued by it i don't know how you could not be i don't know if it'll work i don't know if joey porter will be a bust i don't know if you know orlando brown will get fat and happy once he gets his massive contract and i don't know if d hop could be proven done that would be the adam jones rundown of the afternoon show um, <laughs> why that will fail um I like the idea. You know, I've talked a little bit about that. We've talked about how I've kind of, as NBC Sports Boston put it, change of heart, H-A-R-T, that... I was. I figured it out. The second you said it, I was already there. As much as I lusted for the T. Higgins thing that Teddy Bruschi has finally gotten around uh, to that we've been talking about for, I don't know, four months now on the... Yeah, a lot podcast. of people, by the way, are having some POV changes on who they want to trade for and who they want to draft. I'm telling you, I'm not saying, but I'm also not not saying that people aren't listening and then like take snaking us. It happens. Um, but because that's what you do. I, remember the fidget spinners 
that had the three points and you held the middle and you spin it? I have two young boys here in the house. Both of them are sons, fortunately, of mine. And I, it's not like sure? I stole them. Yeah, we're going to do that. Well, they're both science babies. And foolishly enough, on the day I made my contribution to the pro to the prospect or rather to the process, uh, it was a man who was wearing a New York Jets T-shirt and I had a Patriots shirt on. So I actually probably should get a 23 and me for both. They're way prettier than anything I could have ever possibly produced. So who knows? Anyway, yes, we have lots of fidget spinners around the house because I got two young kids. That's the off season. Like. That's you have to spin it and see, okay, ooh, ooh, mm -hmm. okay, there's my tackle. Each one is a tackle, right. a corner, and a wide receiver. Oh, it's like it. pressure luck. No whammies, no whammies. That's all. Anytime Bill Belichick is going to sign somebody, because you get, you know, sometimes you'll get a Hunter Henry, sometimes you get a John o. Smith. Hunter Henry is like $500. John o. Smith is a whammy. Same thing happens in the draft. And this is where this all begins, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, but the, the timeline of free agency. So, if you sign Orlando Brown, okay, so you're not taking a tackle at 14. I would presume. I mean, there's no rule saying you couldn't have two elite tackles and, and go that route. Um, but I would think if you sign Orlando Brown, that's a tell on what you're thinking draft-wise. And what you're learning this week as you accumulate information on these corners or these tackles or these receivers is maybe influencing, well, no, we don't need to go get Jamel Dean because I think Porter – is just as good and he's going to be there at 14, right? Like you're kind of uh -huh. piecing it all together, but the timeline is also a critical aspect of this. The sort of remember math class when you learned the order of operations, parentheses, uh -huh. brackets, braces. Well, parentheses, brackets, braces lead you through the combine to free agency and then the draft. Uh, just to sort of put these names, I want I want the, the the mad fans, the Pats fans, the Foxborough frauds, as you like to call us, who are listening right now. Put these names in your mind. We, you'll see them on our social feeds. You'll hear more about them on this feed when Shime and Andy do six rings and prospect things and give you Ooh, like more it. positional breakdowns of prospects coming forward. It, it, you're just, you're just going to get so much about the draft and all these people. You're going to feel like you know. You're going to feel like really good relatives or best buddies in the neighborhood that you sit around and have driveway beers with. You got Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, and it's kind of a little bit of a. Uh, a Yahtzee, like a little snow globe of the top four or five corners. Some say there's a true number one, but you go to any different mock draft or any different positional breakdown, uh, draft guru will have them differently. Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. Then you got Cam Smith out of South Carolina, Joey Porter Jr., the aforementioned Penn State player, and Eli Ricks out of Alabama. Those are pretty much your top five corners, all of which are expected to go in the first round of uh, the 2023 draft. So Devin Witherspoon is a guy that uh, Daniel Jeremiah on his massively long pre-combine press conference with the- Is that over yet, by the way? Is he still on the line? I don't think so. It's a little like uh, when Doug Flutie retired, he kept going and going and droning on and on. Uh, but Jeremiah put Witherspoon as a, he listed five guys that were Patriot type players. Uh -huh. And he put Witherspoon on that list as a top corner as a possibility. I know you've seen plenty of mock drafts with Joey Porter Jr. Um, in that. Not a role. lot of, not a lot of picks in college, but everyone says he's got the size and the intangibles plus the pedigree. Cause his dad, Joey Porter senior was a talented, a lot of NFL player and a bad mofo. On bad the man. Bad exactly. Mofo. He was yeah. a, uh, he was very much in the midst of that Bengals, uh, Steelers, AFC North type games and rivalries. So I, I don't necessarily hate that. We've talked about that having a little uh, a little dog in the fight, the Jabril mm -hmm. Peppers dog in the fight. I don't hate that at cornerback. Um, but no, Witherspoon's an interesting guy. 
it'll be it'll be funny on this week unfolds. One of those guys will run a fast 40. One of those guys that you just listed will run a fast mm-hmm. 40, and one will probably run a slow 40, and that'll tweak. Oh, boy, he's, he's too slow to play corner in the NFL. And it's like, well, not really. Ty Law wasn't really all that fast, and now he's in Canton playing cornerback because, you know, it's not just about how fast you run the 40. Uh, I got I got to tell you the one thing as I just scroll through the grades and the quick write-ups on these guys. No wonder why people are falling in love with Joey Porter Jr. Uh, Porter allowed just 45 yards on 73 covered snaps across multiple games against Ohio State. In in the past, he was able to erase Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Marvin Harrison Jr. on a number of routes. That's pretty good. Um, those are all. Those are three first-round talents. Chris Olave is now part of the going to be a top 10 receiver in the NFL this season. Uh, Garrett Wilson, just one rookie of the year, also might be a top top 10 receiver. And Marvin Harrison Jr., once he finds his way to the league, may also be a top 10 receiver. So pretty, pretty, pretty good. Plus, if they, uh, they draft Joey Porter Jr. and those of us who have ridden the red line out towards Tufts University, then we can in our head say, next stop, Porter. Porter. What? You... Andy, Andy Hart, the Porter Square of the Six Rings of Football Next Things podcast. Porter. Next stop, Porter. Uh, all right, so I think we can both agree, not the greatest free agent crop, definitely a massive position of need, intriguing prospects in the top, and of course, we do have a little bit of a recent history of the Patriots finding later around and undrafted free agents who have contributed significantly, but you can't bank on that. You can't, I, I even, you could, every other year, Belichick, fine. Yeah, I know, but at the same time, if you bank on that, you're going to find yourself uh, on the back end. Bankrupt. Of, yeah, you're going to, you're going to fight. Yeah, exactly. You'll find yourself in Madoff town. You will be begging for mercy because uh, the offenses in the AFC and the passing attacks that will be coming at the Patriots this season and beyond are way too good to just hope that some other sixth, seventh round or undrafted free agent makes massive contributions. So, uh, Andy, I'm going to – I was thinking walking into this, this was going to be about a six for me. I think I just went from six to nine. This is a massive position of need for the Patriots. Other than six to midnight, like on Rich <laughs> Keith show. Uh, yeah, I, I actually uh, got to get on this. Similar feeling. Uh, came in thinking this was going to be a, a a need, but not a top of the. But I've come. I've got it at ten. I think you need to go all the way. The first ten, ladies and gentlemen, on the offseasonal positional preview. Wow. I because I, I just. As I started, I think you need to invest in both free agency and the draft here. I would say one of your top two free agents has to be a cornerback, and one of your top two draft picks has to be a cornerback. I actually think you need the double dip here um, because I'm not so sure what the Joneses are going to be doing and, and ready for and all that. Plus, as we said, it's not like you need a left tackle. You need one left tackle. Get a left tackle out there. You filled it. When you're at cornerback, you're going to need at least Five guys over the course of the year, if you're lucky, if you stay healthy, you're going to need five cornerbacks to play. Um, excuse me, Bill, you don't have three right now. Never mind five. Like, so you got to get adding to the depth chart significantly. So this is a ding, 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 10. A full 10 from Andy Hart. Wow. Let it never be said that when you tune into six rings and football things, we back away from the bold takes the big predictions and all of the hot analysis that brings the kids back to the party and keeps them here at the football table. Thanks for listening. Once again, as always, give us a follow at six rings pod at Fitzy GFY and at jumbo heart. We will have another off seasonal positional preview coming up in just a few days, but right there, ladies and gentlemen, your first 10 out of 10 on the six rings pod interest meter quarterback 
the new top need of the New England Patriots in the 2023 offseason. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Marching merrily along here on the latest and greatest six rings in football things. It's time for everybody's favorite segment, Pat's Paris. We're going to need some theme music or something jazzy to uh, get this. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you Get on that. Bit. Yeah. Just a little production, just like a little five-second sting or just, you know, something that just that, that, that heralds the segment with the kind of fanfare that I know it brings about uh, for the happy Pats fans, boys and girls, all throughout Pats Nation. We've got a lot of nuggets, Andy. I, for, I'm the guy that you claim is never happy, never excited, never likes anything. I love doing this. This is oh, my favorite God. segment, the Pats, Pats Puri. Pats Puri is everyone's favorite segment, Andy. I mean, there are, if you ask... Standard issue, you know, the the hardcore, the diehards, the Foxborough and Fenway faithful right now. What are their two favorite segments on podcasts and in broadcast radio right now? They will tell you to a man, well, man and fan right now. It's grab bag on the Rich Keefe show and it's Pat's Perry on six rings and football things because you get a little something for everyone. Well, it's uh, it's just like in columns. I love reading the the old like cleaning out the desk drawer columns where it's just little quick hits and things of that nature, little notes and anecdotes. Big fan. Speaking of which, quick one just off the uh, Twitter press wire. Oh, according to Mike Reese one minute ago, free agent wide receiver Slade Bolden is working out with the Patriots, former Alabama receiver, worked with Mac Jones. Billy O'Brien knows him. So, hey, you know, if you want a slot receiver, maybe Slade Bolden. Could be in your uh, wheelhouse early this offseason. There it is. Uh, can I, may I just remind everybody, Slade Bolden last season uh, was the, was it last year or two years ago? Did he come out the same year Mac did? Uh, I don't know. I think he did. Uh, you can look that up while I bloviate and uh, filibuster here. Uh, Slade Bolden was the, okay, this is Max Hunter Renfro. This was his college Wes Welker. This was his Edelman. They're going to get him one of his guys. The, you know, classic, like, oh, he's, you know, under six foot tall white dude who catches passes and he's shifty in the slot and can get open in a phone booth. We'll see him in Foxborough. 90 catches next season, no doubt. And yeah, he, of course, he came he, out yeah, last year. He did. Who yeah. took him? Was he drafted or was he an Udfa? No, he, I believe he was a UFA with the uh, Ravens had him. Um, and then he was hurt. I think he had a groin injury. Yep. So he... he 24 years old, a little bit older, like, Slade Bolden, but uh, it's like a young Sam Smith. And he's singing, he's Sam Smith, he's a singer. Uh, anyway, he's yeah, he's a very popular. Singer. He's, uh, so uh, he grew up in Louisiana, uh, played at Alabama. He's five foot ten and a half, 190 pounds. Seems like he could, uh, wouldn't you that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Well, we're dying to love, we are dying to love him, Andy. We are dying to love him because we didn't get our Hunter Renfro. The Patriots have lacked at the Welker and Edelman position. They need that next guy. And especially, I'm not saying like insert Bolden for what Jacoby Myers did here, but considering that you are on the precipice of or could potentially lose arguably your top receiver of the past two seasons, uh, you're going to need to throw some bodies at that as well. 
So he had 24 catches in 2020 working with Mac Jones. Then in 2021, had 42 catches for 408 yards. He's a, he had 10.5 career um, yards per catch average, over 68 catches, most uh-huh. of that over the last two seasons. So, yeah, do I think he's actually any sort of significant option or anything for the Patriots? No, I do not. Um, but you know, whatever it's this time of year, it's pre-combine it's off season. We'll throw him in the, in the, uh, Pat's Puri talk. That's exactly where he belongs. Uh, it was a sports hernia that he suffered from that, uh, derailed his rookie season as an OFO with the Ravens, uh, point of interest, if I may, and then we'll move on to our next little nugget played with Bill O'Brien. We have coordinator mm-hmm. familiarity. So quarterback and coordinator could be advocating for the Pats to bring him in and give him a shot. So we'll and see. if he takes Jacoby Myers spot, we're porked. Fair enough. Well, Andy, I hate to tell you, but uh, between inflation, the uh, alien invasion that is already well underway. uh, Did you see that one off the wing of the plane? Next year, uh, being an election year, we are porked. No, I didn't see one off the wing of the plane. After the podcast, look that up. It's from like the sun and it was making the rounds on Twitter yesterday where somebody doing like the the outside the the plane window wing. Then there's this thing that is straight out of a freaking movie, this big black object that just comes up and doesn't look like a regular plane because it kind of comes up and then levels out in the clouds it yeah they're here there is no doubt in my mind they are freaking here they are all around us Uh, let's hope that they like robust football talk with zesty takes because for certain uh they would want to be tuned into six rings and football things oh my god that is a strange alien object what in the holy hell is that thing it's a UFO. Like, I think we can just agree, unless it's CGI, unless it's edited. But if that's a real video, that is an actual UFO that I just saw. Mother of Pearl. What in the heavens is that? It's that a UFO. Is, that is, has to be. That, that has to be. A, a weather balloon wow. or it's a, like, and don't try to sell me on anything other than it's a UFO. I don't even, I, all right. Well, let's just try to get through this podcast before we're all either brought aboard the mothership or zapped into ashes and oblivion. All right, moving on with Pat's Free. There's been your (laughs) unidentified Foxborough object coming in. Uh, Any other combine thoughts you care to share, Andy? What are the Patriots like? What do the Pats do at the combine? Like, aside from like generate Belichick memes with like looking through the binoculars, are they big combine guys? It seems like the Patriots get their guys elsewhere. Well, they've, they, I don't think they're necessarily, oh, the combine's the be-all, end-all, but Belichick does and always has cared about numbers. Like, I'll go back to people that tell me, oh, he doesn't care. Nope. Go back to, like, Ben Watson. He falls in love with combine testers, too, just like every other coach on the planet at various times. Now, they've handled the combine differently in different years. Sometimes they they all go, and they're in there en masse, like, for the whole week. Sometimes they're intermittent. Generally, the position coaches show up just for their position. So mm-hmm. whatever couple days or the O-line, your um, Adrian Clem will be there. Now, remember, it's a new staff coming together. Mm-hmm. So I think that could affect um, what's going on and, and how they handle it. Now, obviously, you won't hear from Bill because mm-hmm. Bill doesn't do um, the combine press conference like others do. He inter- He's done it like twice in my time over the last 20 years covering it. He only it. speaks at the uh, owners meetings, I believe. Yes, usually. he'll do yeah. the owners meetings. I would look out for, um, you'll probably get like a Matt Grow, uh, Patriots.com, two-minute sit-down, heavily edited interview this week. Um, 
That'll our pals um, Mike Dussault and Evan Lazar are out there this week. Maybe yep. we could effort to uh, see if we could get one of them with some quick combine thoughts on the later week edition of the pod. Uh, that would be a uh, maybe next week, actually. Let's let them digest the entirety of it before we put them on the spot. But yes, I, I think that would be a good mm -hmm. idea because they are boots on the ground. I'm a little yeah. jealous. I do kind of miss that aspect. I um, I, I do. Kind I, of miss I actually just miss road trips in general. Like I don't yeah, you know. Too. We're doing, we're doing the post game show. We're doing podcasts. We fill in from six a to eleven p all over the dial. Like I don't get to go to as many tailgate. I got to go to like a tailgate last year. I don't get yeah. to go to combines. I don't. I haven't been to the draft in forever. Yeah, kind of. I, I miss the people. I miss the people. The events. The action. Need a I little don't miss something. People. I just miss the event, but I don't really it's like people. Not, I, either. You know, either someone figure out what's German for six rings and football things, or I'm out by this fall because I want road pods. Over Wait, you're quitting? No, is that well? You promise? Not, well, not yet. What's that? Oh, you promise? Oh, don't. Your wish will come true soon enough. Don't worry. Um. So but yeah, the, just you know, you never know what's going to come out of the combine because agents like one year when they were heavily in the negotiations with Logan Mankins, his agent kind of went off at the combine, so you never really know. Um, what's going to transpire an agent. You know, I'm just going to throw this out there. A speculation warning. This is just speculation. For example, That's what we do John Smith's agent could be like, he needs to be traded. He's miserable. It's not working. We need to figure something out. Like anything on any player on the roster, in addition to the prospects, um, could be a talking point this week because the whole NFL is basically in Indy and there'll be a uh, lot of whispers and a lot of uh, alcohol induced uh, mm. information flowing. Yes. Good. You know, a good old, uh, the old, uh, the good old boys network, the old hobnobbing around the, yep. around the fireplace, around the bar top. So this is where the groundwork could be laid. Forget about three cone drill. Oh, the Patriots love the three cone drill. Yeah. You know, how high did he jump? What's his standing broad? What's his 40 time? Last year, they fell in love with Tyquan Thornton because he was the fastest guy at the Combine. Now, that worked out for you. Nah, not great so far. Not, I don't think he's a bust already, as you wrote, or is it you I put a question. You Everybody's forgotten about it. I know. He could you. actually be a significant contributor. I you would people. have maybe gone. No, not you people. I, I even said last year, while I appreciate the fact that they went for speed, I would have maybe taken someone who could have been a little less boom or bust. I wouldn't have minded a safer picket wide receiver. That George Pickens guy, he would have looked nice in a Patriots mm -hmm. uniform. But hey, listen, maybe Tyquan Thornton will have me eating my words with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Uh, okay, so the Pats aren't going to be so in on like, oh, look at this guy. Look at the jump. Look at the three cone on this guy. But they could be laying the groundwork for some new deals, some reconfigurations, some cuts, some signings. Good to know. Uh, let's see. Moving on with the potpourri, uh, Demarcus Covington, once again, dare I say proverbial bullet dodged. He will not be taking the, we already know he's not going to go to the Cardinals. They wanted to interview him for defensive coordinator. They hired somebody else and he will not be going to the Los Diego chargers as their defensive coordinator. So one of the hot young defensive coaching prospects in the league stays with the Patriots as their defensive line coach this season. He had a chance to be the defensive coordinator or co-defensive coordinator of the senior bowl very much appreciated respected in the building andy so uh that's a plus that's a that's a nice little feather in the cap for the pats yeah because you don't want to uh solidify your offensive coaching staff only to watch your defensive coaching staff fall apart and that could have happened this offseason with mayo and covington if you lose both those guys mm -hmm. now i think we're talking about uh-oh defense what does bill have to do how ill-prepared are they for this but 
to be able to keep the defensive coaching staff together, keep hot commodities like Covington and Mayo is positive. And I will uh, continue to throw out there because I don't know if this is seen as like racist or, or taboo or whatever. That's a great preface before you say anything. So yeah, Dilbert told me that, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but as you develop minority coaches, there's now value in the NFL in terms of draft pick compensation if they move on to better jobs. So it's also good business in the way that in the old days, having three quarterbacks was good business because you might be able to turn one into a draft pick down the road. Um, eventually, you may end up getting draft. Even if Mayo stays, mm-hmm. Mayo's the chosen one. Well, maybe Covington is the guy that turns into draft pick compensation. So even in that light, um, it's good business at some point for his Q rating around the league to rise mm-hmm. to a level where you may benefit from it. Uh, Bill Barnwell, in a piece that he posted to Espen Plus, ESPN.com Plus package, uh, you can uh, easily read all those articles and more if you get what I like to call the uh, the bundle, as they as they call it. You get, I get the uh, bundle. Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. Money well spent, something like 13 bucks a month, especially considering that by the time you listen to this, The Mandalorian could be back. This is the way. Anywho, Bill Barnwell, in his latest missive, which Keith and I were posturing, runs just about five to ten words shorter every week than Peter King's Football Morning in America. I think they ch- I think they chase each other down the 25,000 word hole every week. It's it's impossible. I blame I, I Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons started this. I blame Bill Simmons. He yeah. used to just absolutely empty the bucket of words and I think it was all just like showing off like oh look yeah, at but me when I it was write Bill Sim- I know, but when it was Bill Simmons being, you know, being, you know, with the the charm and the smarm and the pithy from the Super Bowl with his running diaries, that was fun. Afterwards it was like, come on, let's just let's just get to the point, guys. Let's hate it. Concise. Uh, um, concise. Any, exactly. Anyway, Bill Barnwell, in his most recent piece, said he could see the Patriots re-signing Jacoby Myers and postured there could be many cut candidates, including Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, and Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, wow. I don't... Can you imagine if they just, like, ate all that dead money, cleaned house, and said, all right, everyone that was either a problem or underproduced last season, get out! Yeah, none of it makes any sense to me. I know Bill Barnwell is considered like this this savant, or I don't even know what yep. people consider him, but people seem to care what he thinks. He's a um, beautiful football mind, as some say. I guess. I'm not so sure. It might be broken. This seems like an ugly football mind. So, John O. Smith, you cut him. He costs more to not play for you than he does to play for you. Um, that's not pill good. To swallow. It's a bitter pill to swallow. Now, you could argue which one you get more out of. That's a fair argument because he is a bit of a turnover machine at times and looks uncomfortable with the football. Um, Hunter Henry is – so you, I guess in this scenario, you are re-signing Jacoby Myers, but then you're taking away Mac Jones's other security blanket, Hunter Henry, who in his first year – forget last year, which was a little bit slow starting and Matt Patricia, all that. Hunter Henry was the comfort red zone guy for Mac Jones, and as you're mm-hmm. trying to build up Mac Jones again, I don't know why you'd cut Hunter Henry – I'm more in line with the people that think maybe Hunter Henry gets an extension yeah. over, and you you bring him back. And then Kendrick Bourne, I mean, I guess if it got so personal and it's so toxic, his relationship with the team. But again, I think some of that was Matt Patricia related, not necessarily mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien related. So there's a new, re- none of these make sense to me. None. And yeah. I also think he's a little low on what, because he comped a two-year deal that Hunter Renfro signed with the Raiders to at 
32. Two for 32. Or... That was Hunter Renfro. Yeah. 16 million a season. Man, what a brutal year Hunter Renfro had last well, year. I would do that. I would do the shorter term, bigger money. You know, I had told you I was thinking three and three 39. for 39. Maybe yeah. you can steal, steal him. Mike Reese just this weekend said with Tannenbaum uh, in his Sunday notes wow. column, they're thinking 15 to 20 million per season for Jacoby Myers on the open market because there's a lot of money to be spent. There's not a lot of great receivers to spend it on. Um, so I'm not sure you get, I think none of this makes sense from Bill Barnwell. That entire piece that was the Patriots in his column to me makes no sense. And Devonte Parker is a potential cut candidate. What say you to, I mean, for five and a half million dollars for a guy um, that's great on 50, 50 balls, when you need somebody who's over six foot one to go and get him a red zone target. He and so Mac had a nice little chemistry last year at times, Andy. Who's playing receiver? Yeah. Uh, the corners. They're going to like, I, I, cause if you cut, um, if you cut Bourne and you cut Parker, does he not bleed? Like, oh, I don't know. He's a machine. He's bubbly. Um, but I just, they don't have a ton of receivers right now. They have a nice little group of complimentary. I just, I wonder what Barnwell's big picture idea is. Are they drafting a receiver and trading for a receiver? Now you could sell me on that. If they draft Zay Flowers at, at 14 and trade for Hopkins and add him to Tyquan Thornton, and Jacoby Myers, okay, you have receivers. But that's a big if. That's two big uh -huh. ifs in there. Um, and Parker, I believe Parker, the bulk of his money, almost all of it is salary. So uh -huh. I wouldn't cut him until the final cuts of August uh -huh. if I were gonna, if I were thinking of cutting him. I don't. I, I think there'd be a role for him on this team. I would hate to see Kendrick Bourne cut after all he showed in 2021 and all the poor guy went through and the way he was mocked and turned into a veritable Patriots pariah last season as well. Uh, speaking of Zay Flowers, anyone who is still with us here on the pod, whether you went all the way through or you're just listening to the second half because you love the news notes, nuggets, and tidbits of interest in Pat's Paris, do yourself a flavor and just go to Twitter and type in Zay Jones, and you'll see a receiver who plays for Jacksonville. If you type in Zay Flowers, you will see someone who is absolutely yoked my word, this kid has put on 13 pounds of pure, unadulterated, grown man muscle. He is cut, primed, and ready and is going to be a combine star. And if you think the Patriots thought they could maybe get him at 14, which was probably way higher than they might have ever been prepared to draft him since they were all over him like white on rice and like flies on crap at the East-West Shrine game. Holy smokes, this guy might end up finding his way into the top 10 if he runs like a 4-3 and puts on a show at the combine end. Yeah, it um he's he's trending in that direction. There's a lot to like about him. If you remember DK Metcalf had the famous shirtless photo that kind of lifted him and AJ Brown a couple years ago that was all over social media and then Pete Carroll took his shirt off and that whole thing. Uh Zay Flowers, this is a similarly popular photo that's going to spread like wildfire through the mm -hmm. football world. Um, I started as I begin, and you teased it a little earlier. We will have six rings um, positional prospect preview podcast heading towards the NFL draft. Started really digging into the wide receiver position this week. Watched a lot of um, tape on some of the top prospects that are yeah, expected to be there. on that tape. Um, Zay Flowers is really impressive. Like his on field, he's, he's got some, good. he's going to be a very good NFL player. Um, I'm a little uh, scared, again, to quote, Glenn Ordway for the second time in 10 minutes, legend of the radio business, that he is going to get a little overdrafted, but hell, it feels like everybody gets overdrafted these days. And if you made me rank my receivers right now, I would have him number one. I would have Jordan Addison number two. 
Um, I think those two guys are really good. Um, uh, Jackson wow. Smith. Uh, Injiba. Injiba. Yeah, there's a lot there. I get in trouble saying it. Yep. Um, no, that's okay. I'm, just, I'm here to help. I like him, don't love him. Um, I think Zay Flowers, to me, Zay Flowers is a rich man's Dion Branch. I see the route running. I see the quickness. I see some playmaking. I think he could be I've heard as phenomenal, much. I've heard, I have heard the, the melding of Dion Branch and Antonio Brown. Yep. Uh, why there's would you some of that. Like- there's, a, there's a little bit of Tyreek Hill, not as explosive as Cheetah, but I see a little Tyreek Hill in him, the different routes he can run. Um, he's a, he's a re, he tracks the ball. Well, there's a lot to love about Zay flowers. And I, if I feel like if you get him with a really good quarterback in a pro system with a good coordinator, I think they could have a crap load of fun with him making plays you know, from a variety uh, of places. Talk to, talk to me, goose. I mean, you could just see this kid exploding. Now, if the Patriots were to get after him early in the draft and they thought they had a chance to get him at 14, which like I just said, a moment ago could change if he just explodes or Dunn puts on a show at the combine this week, then you'd have to go with maybe trade or sign both a corner because we, we addressed that in the first half of the podcast in the off seasonal positional preview, you have to trade for or sign a free agent tackle as well, or you'd have to identify a second or third rounder you believe can contribute this season or shortly thereafter and hope to Hades that the combination of Stuba McDermott and Brown, can hold the line this year at the tackle positions. And I didn't take much comfort in what I just said either, Andrew. All right, a couple last little nuggets. Andy, just give me a yes, no, and a five-second why. Do you think the Patriots, now that the Chicago Bears are going to put up the number one overall pick for sale, would they potentially be interested for any ridiculous reason? No. Okay. I mean, the the cost you'd have to pay to get up there, what you'd have to give up. um, I don't know who you'd be targeting. I don't think. It's a quarterback. I don't really want Bryce Young um, at five ten. I know they're gonna. The height is gonna start to well, be really. He, but he, but he processes his things so fast. Yeah, we got a quarterback that processes supposedly from Alabama, who you took in the first round, who knows Billy O'Brien. So stop yeah. talking about that. <laughs> and if I want a five foot ten quarterback, I got one sitting behind Mac Jones that looks like right. a clone that had a real good feel good story and threw five thousand touchdowns at Western Kentucky the year before. Um, by the way, so yeah, no, they're not trading up to the number one pick with the uh, the Bears. Um, but I'm waving to my um, teenage kids that are making a snowman in the front yard. But <laughs> oh, I guess they did want to build a snowman. Uh, and my children are sledding right now. They're all they're all having the youthful joy while we provide people with the information and analysis they they so desperately need. We're youthful and joyous. We're youthful and joyous. Much much more so than usual. Well, I, I mean, I. I I enter this chamber of analysis joyful, and then by the end, I'm always just... Which is where I need to take you now. Exhausted. I need to take you into a dark area. Oh. You're not comfortable going there, because I think we probably could have done a full segment on this, but uh, we can save it for future. So, Devin McCourty was on uh, Get Up Football, Good Morning Football, whatever. Good Morning, it's touchdowns, yeah. Uh, And defended Mac Jones, talked about him being the future of the franchise, and Mm -hmm. no one... And you people um, all immediately said, see, see, what's with all these rumors of people not being happy with. Um, You let me know when I heard previously that a player said they were unhappy with Mac. I'd never heard once that a player didn't like Mac, was unhappy with Mac. All I've heard is praise from players. The speculative analysis of people that were rubbed the wrong way by Mac last year was that it was the organization, Bill Belichick, coaches, those types of people. And I'm sorry, 
I don't believe McCordy speaks for them. He's speaking from a player's perspective. So I didn't think that answered anything this week. And there were a lot of uh, touchdown twins types on Twitter, as Paul Perillo likes to call them, saying, see, see, there's nothing going on in Foxborough. And I'm like, no, he, he spoke from a player perspective. He did not speak from the perspective of maybe Bill Belichick was annoyed. I know Tom Curran on our station, for example, late in the year said, speculated that Mac may have made an enemy of the head coach, I think is how he worded it, mm -hmm. by his actions. Devin McCourty didn't respond to that. Devin McCourty was giving you his captain and player perspective. So I think the players like him. I've never heard a player say they don't like Mac or respect Mac or like his swag. Or You've heard everybody. It's the coaches and the, you know, Bill being on the record saying, yeah, Mac has the ability to play quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> like, oh, that didn't seem like a um, – that wasn't exactly a pat on the back from the head coach. So nothing changed this week. Nothing. Nope. Not a single damn thing should have changed, whether it's your belief in Devin McCourty possibly coming back because he said he's going to make a decision in early to mid-March, and then Matthew Slater taken to the airwaves with Steve Burton opining for his guy to come back and join him for the victory lap season. I still think that would be a bridge too far. I think Devin McCourty should go gently into that good broadcast and media personality sports analyst night. Uh, Mac Jones, beloved by his teammates. I just, I have such massive Mac Jones fatigue already. It's unbelievable. It's not even, we're recording this on the final day of, what, second to last day, of, final day of February 2023, and already like, enough! Just well, either get rid of him or give him a chance to play the season. Everyone shut up. Well, just because I just want to be done with it. I obviously, and you know, I'm far from a Mac stand, but I believe you need to give Mac Jones a full season to figure out since you spent the damn first round pick on him. Can he excel? I believe he can. He can be a top 12 quarterback with this coordinator, with better weaponry and talent around him. It's it's damn near exhausting, Andy. It really has gotten exhausting at this point. So trust the teammates, trust the process, trust the new coordinator, and let's just move on to something else, please. And I just think a fair discussion is being had and one that's warranted with Mac Jones and what he's accomplished and done over two years because I read our website and Alex Reamer's writing a column about how there seems to be like this smear campaign going on against Mac. And I kind uh -huh. of agree. There's whispers yep. of smear. Uh -huh. And then I hear Adam Jones in the afternoon bitching and moaning that there's a propaganda campaign going on for Mac based on the uh, Devin McCourty comments. You know what that means? We're right where we should be. There's an honest co uh, conversation going on about Mac. Is he as good as the proponents believe or as Mac uh, Devin McCourty may believe? Is he the devil child that some of the critics may be? Or maybe it's in the middle somewhere, and in this make-or-break year three, we're going to find out. And I think that's a fair conversation to be had right now. Exactly. And Mac Jones, hopefully, as he said on his trainer's Instagram comments, can earn that trust back this season as he goes about doing his Planet Fitness, Grandma, Cardio, and Zumba strap. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'd rather he take uh... off his shirt and look like a white Zay Flowers than do his, like, dog lift core rotation butt, butt on stretch, a fire. put in the yeah. foam roller i mean <laughs> and i understand like Folks, that's i it. do that and i'm not a quarterback and i do that just so i don't get arthritic hips because i'm almost right. 50 for christ's sakes yeah i wish he would come back looking like uh you know dolph lundgren in rocky four uh, like, holy uh, crap look at the abs and yeah, the pecs i must throw touchdowns yeah <laughs> right yeah um i apologize everyone by the way great realization to make at the 52 minute mark into your podcast uh, that there was a microphone issue. So if you've been listening to this podcast saying, hey, Fitzy doesn't seem to have the uh, same richness of tone, the same dulcet uh, timbre, if you will, 
the 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 bassy velvety uh smooth chocolate sound that his voice usually brings me on the pod uh it's because the microphone uh wasn't hooked up the entire time uh and zoom just let me know that so i apologize for the tinny if you not uh, if not echoey quality to my voice in this podcast was that tinny t-i-n-n-y oh i thought you said something different that made me laugh (laughs) no uh, I would I, ever I, I, make you laugh on purpose, Andy. Uh, I'm going to say to you what Dante Scarnecchia once said to a couple no of offenses. No, you are an effing moron. I oh, repeat, okay. an effing moron. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Well, I would have thought maybe our producer, who's already off producing another radio program, would have said, hey, Fitz, you sound different. But that's the problem. I actually didn't you think do- you sounded different. It's because I've got a great, a, nat- a naturally loud voice and I project, but that's okay. I listen for these things. This is the problem. I'm a geek. I'm an audiophile. You know, I went to film school. You mock me for that all you want, but like I would notice. And I'm sure when I download and listen to this, when it's available tomorrow on Spotify, weei.com, Odyssey, Apple Pods, et cetera, I'm going to go, damn it, Fitzy. Come on, Nicholas. You should do better. I will next time. I won't let you down, people. Okay. Um, last two quick nuggets, Andy, because we've gone on much longer, but yet we'll still find another hour's worth of stuff to talk about in two days. Uh, Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier, it was announced this morning, will be taking a year off. Whether I, that's for personal reasons, whether it's because he's mad he didn't get a head coaching job, uh, could be health issues. Uh, that's not great. I mean, they lose they lose Dayball last year. It besets them a bit, though Ken Dorsey did a very good job stepping in. And now you lose your defensive coordinator, who's one of the more highly regarded in the National Football League, trouble in uh, Mafia Land. The yes, um, I think they showed the signs of losing Dable late last season into the postseason offensively when it turned into Josh Allen chuck and duck uh, kind of football, throw it down the field, and now I think you will probably see a defense that could lose Jordan Poyer, a safety that is 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 a good defense, but mm-hmm. isn't as good as its numbers. Fell apart a little bit down the stretch. Now, I do think Frazier is pissed that he didn't get a coaching job. I think this is in relation to becoming a head coach um, and, and tied into that. But from a Patriot perspective, this is good for you. The Buffalo Bill, the Bills are actually going through what teams usually go through after they win the Super Bowl, except the Bills haven't been to or won the Super Bowl yet. Like the quarterback's getting paid. You lose an offensive coach. You lose a defensive coach. you got to get through all these things, except they haven't won anything yet in the midst of their little uh, run here. And last but not least, uh, a piece that Turp, our producer, Justin Turpin, gave us right before we went to air. From The Onion, right? This is from The Onion? I wish it was from The Onion. There's a rumor that Tom Brady may be considering stand-up comedy. That he may actually... This is going to hurt. He's going to be better than you at something you've done. Mm, No, he wouldn't. I would would gladly do a roast. My dream, I've still never physically met Tom Brady. Interviewed him a number of times. Spoken to every member of the family except him, not Giselle. Well, she's not in the family anymore. But uh, <laughs> that being said, uh, I, w- rather than meet Brady, I would love to do a roast battle with Tom Brady. Hell, I, I some people even told me on that foolish movie, you haven't seen 80 for Brady yet, have you? No. Yeah, they've got like a, a Sully and a Fitzy and a Murph type character that they cut to on a podcast on the regular during 80 for Brady as well. So I appreciate the nod, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Uh, dude, Gronk tried stand up for a while. Bad idea. It made it, it made it look like his Fox football analysis was top shelf and that he belonged on the broadcast networks. Now I heard he was going to be doing a Netflix roast series 
called Greatest Roasts of All Time. That was announced last year. We'll see if that actually comes to be with the Roastmaster General, Jeff Ross. Brady doing stand-up? No. I mean, like, I'd rather hear him in the booth on Fox, and I don't think he's going to be very good at that either. Well, we're seeing, and you bring up Gronk, and it's the same thing, where everybody was like, oh, Gronk's going to be the next Rock, and you're like, what? Not even close <laughs> Who to Who said next that? Rock. Oh, that was, you don't remember that? That's what everybody said when the when he retired. Oh, he's got such Gronk. a personality. Like, and it was so obvious he wasn't. This is the version of these Saturday Night Live skits that get made into movies, and you're like, wow, that was really funny for six minutes, but when you make it 90 minutes, it's a not night at the Rocks. It's a night at the yeah. Roxbury. It's and like that's great. what these guys are good sound bites within their world of football. Like, oh, I need 10 second, good quote, good line, good smile, good delivery. Then they think they're something they're not. You're, you're football mm-hmm. players. And I actually, I mean, Brady was never all that funny. I thought he peaked in that Dick's Sporting Goods commercial. That was a, a good one that he did with Funny or Die, the Will yes. production company. Yes. I thought that was the best he did. He was okay when he did Saturday Night Live. Um, that was a number of years back now. I forget. Mm, he was not great on SNL. I mean, Peyton Manning. He's okay. Peyton oh, yeah, Manning, Peyton greater Peyton. than, funnier than sign. Peyton Manning Absolutely. could do stand-up. He has done celebrity roasts. Right. I know he employs a cadre, a team of writers when he does them. I know people that have written for those guys. And they're excellent. And Peyton has awesome delivery. I don't know how this would go for Tom. The thing about poorly. when you do stand-up, Andy, yeah, not very well. And Tom Brady should not do anything <laughs> that ends poorly. Um, but... Like, the thing is, you have to have a POV. Like, who are you? The observational comedian? The put-upon dad? Um, are you just a one-liner guy? You know, like, what is Tom... Like, and the, they say the formula for comedy is comedy equals tragedy over time. What is so... Like, what does Tom Brady have to get up on stage and bemoan? What is Tom Brady going to criticize? What is Tom Brady's... What's so, what way... Where's the ennui? What weighs so heavily on Tom Brady's shoulders that he's going to get up there, you know... Rip up, rip us up for 10, 15 minutes or do a tight five. Come on. I think there's no chance. And then when I read some of the stories and one of the uh, jokes or lines he was workshopping was what did the linebacker say to the flight attendant? Put me in coach. Um, what? Awkward. Awkward. That's Please don't tell me that's real. No, that was from supposedly like a source said one of the jokes he was like happy about or popular or he was saying to friends. And apparently... Every friend is with us. You read these stories and like they're trying to talk him out of it. His inner circle's trying to talk him out of it. This won't end well. No. They're all right. Um, and maybe he just needs to learn for himself. These rich people, these egomaniacs, these driven people think, yeah, and I was told I couldn't play in the NFL uh-huh. either, so I'll show you guys. Well, yeah, you were right about the NFL part. You were better than your draft status. You will be wrong about your comedic status. The only thing that will be funny will be watching – a guy like Tom Brady, a golden child who does everything well, crash and burn on stage. With our pal, friend of the show, Patriots legend Matt Light does an annual comedy show. This year it's going to be at the Encore, uh, the 28th or 29th of March, I believe. And he does it to benefit the Light Foundation. Matt doesn't get up there and do a 20-minute set. He's not the headline. He's not the feature. He doesn't even open. He does a little MC work, shows some funny videos from back in the day that he took. But then he brings up professional comedians to do the comedy portion of the show. If Tom wanted to do a surprise five at a fundraiser someplace that he workshopped with a lot of jokes that he wrote, that top shelf comedy writers from Hollywood, the Phil Rosenthal's and all, write for him, makes total sense. To try this as a legit routine because he needs to, you know, receive love and adulation because there's a hole in his soul. Ooh. 
that is going to end poorly. There will not be a 28-3 to the Tom Brady stand-up comedy routine no. tour. And we can just leave it at that. All right. We have gone well. We have sailed well past what we expected. It's almost a double supersize edition when we thought we were just going to have a quickie here on the old six rings and football things. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this episode. For more action, make sure you give a follow, rate, review, subscribe, and share amongst your friends in your Foxborough football community. Your old pal at FitzyGFY, Nick Fitzy Stevens, at Jumbo Hart, Andy Hart here with you on the At Six Rings pod. We'll be back in a couple of days. So much more coming on this offseason. Enjoy your combine week. Enjoy it all, and thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you soon. And as always, as Andy peers out the window, looking at the strange kids that are either on his lawn or whatever they're doing out there, Thanks they're spray painting a snowman. They have spray paint now. That's, a, that's not a good idea. All right. <laughs> you need to attend to your children. I got to go find mine somewhere in the snowbanks of Southern Connecticut right now. Good day. God bless. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Pats.